0: Welcome, everybody. Good afternoon. Um, we're continuing our Fruit of the Spirit series today, uh, and today our speaker um, is the area director for International Students, Inc., um, and that's a missional group that serves international students that come here to New York, and so she's involved in that. Um, she's the director for that here in the city. Uh, she's also part of the adjunct faculty at Alliance Theological Seminary. Um, And I have personally had an opportunity to sit down with her, have dinner with her, hear her heart and her passion for our city and for um, mission and students here. And so it's a pleasure for me to welcome her here. It's a pleasure for her to be here at New Life sharing that missional energy with her. So please welcome Valerie Althaus.
1: Good afternoon, New Life. It is uh, great to be here this morning um, serving in this way. But I've been a member here for many years, and I have enjoyed all of you, and I've learned so much from all of you. So I'm thankful this morning for this opportunity, now this afternoon, right? Third service. <laughs> and I'm thankful for uh, Rich entrusting me with this time. So let's turn directly to our text, which is Judges chapter 6. 11 to 16 and 22. That's Judges chapter 6, 11 to 16 and 22. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizorite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive verse 22, then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Jesus, you are present in this text. There are things that you want to speak to us and show us that we need to hear, we need to see with new eyes today. Would you speak through me? Would you bring your message through? Guide our time this morning. It is yours. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So those of you who know me uh, know that I am from Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. And I moved to New York City many, many years ago. It's been about 13 years now. And of course, there was some adjustment from Pennsylvania to New York City. And I have a very vivid memory of one of those adjustments. It was when I was trying to get on the 7 train at rush hour in Grand Central Station. Yeah. And it was one of those moments where you could look into the train and you could see, you could physically see the space in there, but you couldn't get on the train. Why? The door people, right? The door people standing and blocking the door. Don't be a door person. Please don't do that. Um, They were blocking the door. And I remember this moment because it marks a milestone for me. Um, When I moved from a more passive Pennsylvanian, to a more assertive New Yorker. And all of the challenges of adjusting from my former life to my city life kinda crept up inside of me and something happened and I said, move in! I got on the train. (laughs) So I was very proud of myself and as I was taking that train home, I'm, I'm, I'm pressed up in there, I'm pressed against the door people and I'm thinking, What happened? This Pennsylvania person would never have done that, ever. But something had changed inside of me, that the challenges of adjusting to city life had changed me, I could not remain the same, I could not remain as I was, I had to be different. So there is something about being pressed that opens us up to profound change. There's something about being pressed that opens us up to profound change and it is that dynamic and that reason that takes us into the story of Gideon because God forms his warriors in the wine press. God forms his warriors in the wine press. So when we meet Gideon, the nation of Israel was destitute. They were in bondage to the Midianites. Now we know a few things about the Midianites. They were uncountable. They were innumerous. They would swarm the land like locusts, take over everything, take all of the crops, all of the livestock. There would be nothing left. And then they also kind of fought dirty. They would wait until your crops came in, until your livestock were nice and fat and ready, and then they would come and take everything. So when we meet Gideon, Israel is destitute, and fear is the dominant emotion right now. People are living in caves, and they are hiding. And I'm gonna give you a little mini side history lesson and a little mini sermon. Are you ready? Okay. I got a nod. That's good. (laughs) Um, So if we look back several generations ago in Numbers 31, God commanded Israel to destroy the Midianites because of who they were and what they were doing to his people. But Israel did not fully obey. They left some there. They did not obey. And so here they are coming back again, right? When we don't do business, when God asks us to obey, it what? It comes back later to haunt us, right? And here, Gideon is saying, you've abandoned us. The Midianites are here. Well, we need to obey before. All right, that was your mini message for today. Okay, so we find Gideon in a wine press. Now, he's not making wine, he's beating out the wheat. How many of you have a wine press in your apartment? Backyard, no, if you have a backyard, right? No, so a wine press, I want you to to look at the picture, it might look something like that. You could also think of kind of a shallow, empty swimming pool, right? So for him, to be hidden below eye view from the Midianites, he was down in there working on his grain. Now typically a threshing floor is very large, lots of oxen and manpower, people were working on a large harvest. So the scene that we're seeing in our story tells us a lot about what's going on in the land. He's hiding in a wine press with his little bit of wheat. But that scene also tells us about Gideon. So Gideon's name in Hebrew, actually means mighty warrior. His name means mighty warrior. But instead of finding him fighting, we find him what? Farming. We find him farming. So when I read this story, I first noticed, you know, Gideon doesn't recognize who's talking to him. The angel of the Lord is right there speaking to him, doesn't see it, thinks he's abandoned. I remember when I was a little girl, I was about three or four years old, and I went with my mom on some errand, and we're, I think we were at Kmart or something, and I'm walking through the store holding her hand. And at some point, the, the, the hand's released, and I did something, she did something, and then I, I reach up to grab the hand again. I look up, it's not my mother. <laughs> some random stranger that I've grabbed the hand of in Kmart. And In that moment, I panic, like, I'm lost, I'm alone, my mother is gone, I'm abandoned in the middle of Kmart and I start to cry. And what, of course, my mother had not left me alone, she was right there and everyone had a good laugh, but I, at that time, felt so abandoned. But she was right there, she had never left. So Gideon doesn't have eyes to see who is right there. So the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament refers to the third person of the Trinity, whom we know in the New Testament as Jesus, right? So Jesus is right there. But Gideon's discouragement and his disillusionment cause him not to see God's presence in his life. If you look at the text, he, he says, where are his wonders? God has abandoned us. And we have to recognize there's some humor in this situation, there's a lot of irony Gideon's talking to Jesus, saying, God has abandoned us. And, you know, Jesus right there. I'm here. I'm here. I'm standing right next to you. You've abandoned us. I'm right here. I'm right here. But he doesn't have the eyes to see. Gideon also has forgotten who he is. He's been named the mighty warrior, but he doesn't live that out. Right? He's not acting like it. He's forgotten his identity. And do you notice that when the angel of the Lord addresses Gideon in his true identity— Gideon actually chooses instead to identify himself with his family. Isn't that interesting? He says, "I'm the, I'm part of the clan that's the weakest, you know. I'm the least in my family." So he chooses that. He went there, and he, instead of thinking, you know, "Oh, I can do this. God is sending me," he's saying, "I can't even lead in my family. How can I do something that God sends me to do?" So he's blind to his true identity. He's living out of that false place, and he has also lost sight of his calling. So the text says, you know, he says, how can I save Israel? Have you ever thought about that? How can I do it? How can I do it? His focus is very much on himself and what he can or can't do. And he looked at the Midianites and he looked at his own fear and his own insecurities and his own weakness and he didn't look at the size of the God that was sending him. So I'm calling uh, this season in Gideon's life a wine press season a wine press season, a season of difficulty, challenge, a feeling of abandonment and struggle. And we all go through wine press seasons, usually many of them over the course of our life. And when we are in a wine press season, we miss the same exact things that Gideon misses. We don't see them. So when we're in a wine press We don't look at our identity in God, we don't look and say, wow, mighty warrior, I'm a son or a daughter. Instead, we tend to look at what? The armies around us, the size of the enemy that's coming at us. And when we're in the wine press like Gideon, we often fail to live out and see our true identity, our true identity. So my family uh, had uh, several dogs over my time of growing up, and one of our dogs was named Kobe. I want to introduce you to Kobe. Isn't Kobe adorable? Um, he had it going on in the looks department. Uh, he was very, very cute. But we would have family debates how much was going on up here. Uh, we would play throw, but he never got the idea of fetch, right? He could never figure out that he had to bring the ball back. You know, so we but we had a lot of fun with Kobe. Kobe was very sweet. But I'm a dog person, and one of the things I had always done with our family dogs was we'd kind of play wrestle, right? You'd get down on their level, kind of fight a little bit, play wrestle. And our other dogs had done a great job. Kobe, however, had this quirk. Every time I would go to play wrestle with Kobe, he would flip on his back and bat at me like a cat like a cat. And it, this was quite a mystery for a really long time, because we're saying, how, wh- why? And we found out that he had grown up in another family, because he was a, a gift to us. He had grown up in this other family, surrounded by cats, lots of cats. And he learned that behavior. And so I know biologically, Kobe was certainly a dog, but he was acting so much like a cat. And we do the same thing. We act as something other than we are. We act as something other than we are. We are believers who are children of the king. We can walk into the throne room of God. We can go directly in through prayer and ask for help in our time of need, knowing that we are sons and daughters and mighty warriors, but we often live and act like orphans. Separated from our true identity. Now, when we're in the wine press, that discouragement, that disillusionment, seeing the armies, seeing our, our weakness, our inabilities, um, it can really rob us of understanding a calling in our life, something that God has given us to do to bless His kingdom. And I know for me personally, that's my go to. When I get down, when I get discouraged, I begin to doubt. You know, my identity, who I am, what I'm called to do. And it it can feel really powerful. And when I'm in that place, my feeling tells me that I should be farming instead of fighting. And my feeling tells me I should be hiding instead of leading. And I feel like God's presence isn't with me, even when it is. But thank God, he uses... Unlikely people, right? He uses those of us that can't see it all clearly yet, and he chooses us and he uses us. So here are the Midianites again conquering God's people. They're conquering God's people, but Gideon now finally, toward the end, recognizes who is speaking to him. He finally recognizes that this is the angel of the Lord. The text tells us that he says, Alas, O Lord God, now I've seen. Ah, The angel of the Lord, face to face. And there is a good, you can, you can feel his posture changing. You can almost feel that he's coming down and bowing reverently before his God. And there's a posture change. There's a, a, a change going on inside of him where a holy, reverent, and good fear of this God can displace false fear, lesser fears in his life because of who it is that he's speaking to and who it is that is sending him out. Now, I'm going to tell you a little secret. Um, I play the piano, okay? Now not many of you would ever know that about me because, number one, I am not very good. (laughs) I am not very good. And I typically never play in front of other people. Really don't do that because I'm not very good. So I play for my own enjoyment, my own use. But um, now Kate is an amazing musician. So if Kate walked up to me one day and she got in, you know, right in front of me and she looks in my eyes and she says, greetings, Valerie, concert pianist. I would laugh, right? Because it's very, very far from the truth. And it would take a mighty act of God to move me to that place. But notice in the text that before Gideon does Anything related to victory or battle, God sees him and calls him by his identity mighty warrior. You can read in the book of Judges later about all that he grew to be and to do. But in that moment, he had done nothing yet. We don't. The text doesn't tell us if he was a warrior before, if he'd done anything. I, so maybe he went to warrior camp when he was a kid. We don't know, but there's no illustration there of what he did before. It's just what God sees. And the difference between our wonderful Kate, and if she said that to me, maybe that would be a nice thing. I could work harder on my skills. But it would, there, there's nothing transformative that's happening there. But with God, when he speaks, he has the ability with his word, because his word is powerful, to call forth into reality that which is not there yet. And that is what we see with Gideon. When I read this story, there's a, a part of me that I just want to jump into the text. You know, I want to jump right in. And I kind of want to grab Gideon by his shoulders. I want to give him a little shake. And I want to say to Gideon, Gideon, it is not about the size of the Midianite armies. It is about the size of your God. I remember when I was a little girl, uh, I have two siblings, and we would, of course, play together and sometimes be a little bit out of control, and, uh, you know, when when children get together once in a while, the energy level and the antics start to reach critical mass, and it's just getting to be a little too much, right? And so I remember one or or, or other of my parents getting down, and they'd kind of come down at eye level, and they'd give us the look, and they would say, enough, (laughs) right? Enough, too much. So it's a very parental thing to say. I went through a difficult uh, wine press season in my own life. Um, I've been in ministry over 20 years and I've served on a variety of teams and organizations and different things over all those years. And there was one team that I was on that I found to be very difficult. And it was my perception in that situation, I I felt very criticized instead of encouraged. I felt very placated. I didn't feel heard, I felt like I was supposed to be this thing over here, and I just did not fit that thing, you know, it was, and I tried so hard to make it work, but it was really unraveling, and inside of me, I felt so discouraged and disillusioned, and I wish I could tell you that I handled the whole thing with grace and maturity and godliness the whole time. I did not. God had to reveal some junk in me, too. He had to show me the stuff that comes out of me when the makeup isn't on and when you're not looking all you know good. (laughs) He has to show you that stuff, and so he showed me that stuff in me. He showed me some of that in some other folks, and so I was just at a point of real discouragement. But toward the end of it, um, I remember that several mornings in a row, I woke up and I would just cry. I felt like I was painted into a corner. I didn't know where to go, and I would just cry. And uh, I was spending time with the Lord one morning, uh, praying, reading scripture, and I was still crying. And I felt the spirit of God impress upon my heart this one word, and he said, enough, enough. And there was a very fatherly tone to it, very parental. And there was a part of it that was rebuke, you know, for my own stuff that contributed. And then there was a whole giant part of it that was love, and then there was a whole part of it that said, soon your season is over. So I took a lot of hope from that. And very soon my circumstances changed and I was able to find something that was a great fit and, you know, I, I began to feel alive again and like I could fit in ministry before I thought I was unfit for ministry. And, but I left that wine press season profoundly changed. I was forced to go to a place where I found my identity as a son or daughter of God and not in my circumstances. And I was forced in that to be sure that my calling was from him and I wasn't just performing something. And I was forced in that to recognize that his presence was with me through the whole thing. You know, um, I wanna tell you this morning that wine press seasons have a purpose and they have a timeline. They have a purpose and they have a timeline. In the text, we know that the Midianites controlled Israel for seven years before Gideon was called as a deliverer. And in that seven years, in scripture, we see the number seven emerging as completion and perfection. So the picture that's created for me is that the wine press season for that time of history, for that purpose, for Gideon, came to a point of completion, and it was time for him to be called out as the deliverer of Israel. I remember when I tasted wine for the first time. I promise I was 21, promise. Um, And I remember being surprised that it wasn't more sweet, more like grape juice, you know? I didn't know anything at all about wine. And now, of course, I understand that wine is a much more complex thing. It has a flavor palette, it it has depth, and you're supposed to be able to taste notes of different things in it. I'm not very good at that, but that's the idea of wine, right? But juice, fruit juice is simple. You squish the fruit, out comes the juice, add some sugar or something, that's fruit juice. But wine has to go through a process to become mature, It has to go through a process to become mature. And I I want you to get this picture. We see imagery. We see a wine press that's about crushing. We see wheat being threshed. And wheat being threshed is about leaving behind the chaff and keeping what is good. And so the reason that warriors need to go through a wine press season is so that they have the maturity to go the distance wherever and however God calls them to serve. There is a purpose in that. They need the maturity to step out and follow him in faith. And it's where all that messed up stuff comes out. This is where maturity finds its ground to grow. Let's look at James chapter one. I I chose the amplified version so we could catch the fullness of this. It says, be assured the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. This is how we become faithful. The wine press season, catch that imagery. Gideon is there, But it's also exactly the place where Jesus meets us. When all that stuff comes out insecurities, fears, our own struggles, different sins it's where Jesus meets us. That that stuff is a springboard that sends us right directly to Him. And it's there that the chaff gets blown away, the grapes get crushed but we find our identity solidly as being sons and daughters of God and mighty warriors, we know that we have a calling and a purpose and that he was there all along. God intentionally forms his warriors in the wine press. I know that for many of you, you're in a wine press season right now. And I first want to say to you, I know that it's painful. I know that it's hard. I've been there. I want to leave you with encouragement to remember that whatever is being stirred up in you, the gospel tells us we bring that all to him and he redeems it. The person of Jesus doesn't leave us alone in that space. He he comes and he sits next to us. And he talks with us and he restores vision, purpose, identity. If you're looking at the size of the armies, I want to invite you, look at the size of your God. If you don't think he's near, he really is. What would you do if you really believed that the God of angel armies was behind you, sending you out? What would you do for the kingdom? What would you do for others if you really believed he was with you? This is not about our own identity. This is not a humanistic type pep talk. This is because our identity is grounded in the King of kings, Lord of lords. Jesus is saying, I want to form you and I want to send you. Will you let him form you and send you? I want to invite anyone here that's not yet a knower of Jesus personally that you would consider this morning coming and running to the one that offers you that place. If you have not yet made that decision, make that decision today. God forms his warriors in the wine press. Jesus, we offer this time back to you and I just, I pray for those that are here that are walking through their own wine press season. I ask that you would be so real to them. They would see you and know your presence, know you are right there. I pray that they would grab hold that they are a son and daughter and a mighty warrior And step out in faith wherever you send them, however you want to use them in a mighty way. Jesus, bring to our minds from this morning what we need to keep and move away what we need to leave behind. We pray all these things in the mighty and the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
2: Let's stand and sing together. There's a table that you've prepared for me In the presence of my enemies It's your body and your blood shed for me this is how I find my bedroom. Now i find my battles. This is how this is how i find my battles. This is how I'll find my battles. This is how.
0: So, you know, it would be really easy to, um, you know, to just think, hey, Valerie is a professional here. She works for a missional organization. You know, this is, this is common for her because she's one of those people in ministry. Um, but where does that leave me? Here I am. I'm a student. You know, I'm a teacher. I, I work in finance. I work in customer service. Like, what, what mission? You know, I'm just, I'm just doing the best I can every day. And I'm just trying to get through my days. But I think what Valerie is trying to help us to understand is that we are Gideon. We are the people that have a mission inside of ourselves. And it's really, uh, it's not really about what you think, how impressive it looks. It doesn't matter if you're at home taking care of children every day or if you work in a bank. God has still birthed in you a mission. He's not today just kind of figure out, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with that? Like, what am I going to do? How am I going to make this relevant? He created you with mission in mind. And he brought you forth for this time in history. Because there is something that's unique to you, some mission that he's put in you that is just fitting who you are and what your life is and and what the journey is that you're going to go through. But I know for myself, what I tend to do is I look in the mirror and then I don't see those things. Like I don't see, I don't see, I don't see mission. When I look in the mirror, I see my flaws because the mirror is not me. A mirror is a reflection of the true me. What I need are people around me that care for me, that love me, and are willing to see what God sees in me and then tell me that. So one of the questions for us as we think about application, what do we do with this is, who are you surrounded by? You know, we just sort of sang this song, you know, I'm surrounded by you. God is surrounding us. But who are the people that you're surrounding yourself with? Who are those people? Are they speaking into you what God sees in you? Or are they just reflecting back to you all of of the things that you're not perfect at and all the things that you've not succeeded at? Who are you surrounding yourself with? The reason we have Christian community is that God speaks through those around us but it's our choice as to who we surround ourselves with. That's our choice. So we're gonna have our prayer teams over here to my left and to your right, and communion to my right and to your left. Come up and just ask someone to pray for you, that they can see what you don't see, what you're missing. He's right there, he's looking at you, he knows. The thing is, you don't know, ask somebody, Pray for me. I want to see what God has for me. I want to see what he sees in me. I want to see my contribution and how I can walk out mission in this world. So I'm going to pray for us. I um, you to extend your hands. Um, one favor is we have a, a marriage um, course in here afterwards. So if you could, as quietly as possible, maybe put a, a chair to the side if you're able, that would help us to facilitate um, that class in a timely fashion. All right. So again, come for prayer, come for communion. Um, I'm going to pray and dismiss us now. Brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, I pray that the face of the Father would smile down on you, that you would see His face and His heart toward you, that you would see His love, you'd see His passion, you would see His commitment to you. You would recognize the gift that the cross was not just for an abstract group of people, but it was for you. I pray that as you go forward from this place, that you will go forward with hope, that you will go forward with a knowledge that you are indeed Gideon, and he has great things for you right here and right now. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great afternoon.